0: Episode 184 of the Various and summary Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is all in on the Major League Baseball Draft, John Scott Sloat. I don't know about all in. I mean I'm I'm not watching it. <laughs> like, aren't there like a million rounds? Like,
1: yeah, 20, 25 rounds, something something like that. There's a lot.
0: Yeah, with 30 teams?
1: Yeah, yep.
0: So 20 rounds, 30 teams, that's 600 players.
1: Yep. Many of them will not...
0: Ever darken the door of the majors. That's right. Yeah. You're yeah.
1: just going after flyers at some point. Yeah. Filling so, out rosters.
0: Yeah. That, it's, it's such a... Well... You know, it's such a contrast to the NFL draft, for example.
1: Oh yeah, but rare is the person that you pick in the in the MLB draft that plays in their first year. Oh in, yeah. at the majors.
0: Oh yeah, I think I think Bryce Harper did. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. So, John, what's been going on? We we were not in the studio last week. Our episode uh, aired. Our interview with Brian Rosner. That's so right. If you haven't checked that out, we encourage you to do so. That was a great interview. It was a great interview. Yeah, he's did a lot we, of fun. Did we record the part where he invited us?
1: Yes, uh, that was on the that was on, that the, was record. on the I asked That's my wife. Great.
0: Yeah, yeah, and she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was on that was on the pod." Okay, oh. which I, I I think I might have figured out a way to make that happen. Actually,
2: oh yeah, yeah.
1: Do you, are you willing to share on the air? I,
0: I mean, maybe. I mean, it's so. He was at he was in a, in England, in Cambridge, at the Tyndale House Theology Conference a week ago. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. So
1: Does he go every year?
0: I I think he's somewhat regular. Hmm. So if we could coordinate Absolutely. Crick- attending I that think conference. Crickets, cricket's going on right now. I mean could squeeze in a weekend cricket match. Yeah, a full wicket. weekend for one match. <laughs> yes. Right. I mean, they take forever. They take forever. But have you watched did you watch the video I sent you? I did. I did watch it. Cricket, cricket for baseball fans mm-hmm. basically. Okay. Did it help make sense?
1: It made more sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm in the same place. The the ongoing batting is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. Well, uh, the term sticky wickets makes a whole lot more <laughs> sense now too.
0: Yes. Yes. I so Last week, I had some free time, and so I decided. You know what? I'm just going to Google. Uh, not Google. I went onto YouTube and just searched for like cricket matches hmm. and full full length cricket mass- matches. So I pull oh. I pull one up. It's Australia against England from like 2014 or something. It's six hours and 45 oh, minutes, goodness. and the whole thing is on there. Now I obviously did not watch all of that. I probably watched the first. Half hour, Hmm. but I'm still I'm fascinated by the by the bowling. In other words, the equivalent of the pitching. Yeah. The the running start they get (laughs) is fascinating. I mean they they get a running start like a huge. It'd be like in baseball terms, it'd be like starting in shallow center field and running to the pitcher's mound (laughs) and throwing it. Uh huh. And the fact that it's on the bounce—that yeah, you have that's to hit weird, it. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they're throwing it like you know they're showing the like the little kilometers per hour. So I had to Google, yeah. w- you know, what's the equivalent of you a kept hun- up
1: a conversion <laughs> uh, calculator right there. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, this guy's throwing like hundred and forty kilometers an hour. That's like eighty-five miles an hour. That's yeah. Yeah, that's moving along. Now
1: they throw sliders. They, they and... have
0: spin on it, so like when it hits the ground, it kicks a certain way, as opposed to just hmm. you know going straight. Interesting. But yeah, yeah, I'm 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 working on it, Sean. Okay. I mean, there's nothing else going on in the world of sports, at least that I'm really that interested in at this point. So, anyway, if you'd like to reach out to the show and share your love for cricket, you can reach us on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcasts at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube, and we would love for you to leave a review and a five-star rating. All right, John, let's talk some sports. You ready? Sure, yeah. Okay. As ready as I'll ever be, I suppose. So there's not a lot going on.
1: Um, Well, this is one of the the weeks of the year where there's – very little sports being played it is the ML, MLB All Star break.
0: Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And so uh, that means what? The home run derbies tonight. So we tonight, record on Mondays. So
1: Monday. Yep. Yep. All Star games tomorrow. They get Wednesday and Thursday off, and then games resume on Friday, I believe. And that
0: means that the season is a little bit more than halfway. Past. That's right. This right? Is, it's
1: like a halfway in a week,
0: okay. maybe. And and how far out are your beloved Mets? Division or wildcard? Either division. We're like eighteen games out. It's, yeah. It's, the Brave. Well, the Braves. I understand are just running away with everything.
1: Yes, I think. I think in like a span of thirty games, they lost like three.
0: Yeah, that's impressive. They're yeah. having a
1: great season. Um, yes, they're they're really really good. As much as it pains me to have a Braves fan underneath me <laughs> in my building. Um. Um, our provost is a is a big Braves fan. Is he? Yes, he is.
0: But he's got Yankees hats
1: and stuff in his office too. You go go talk to him. He's a big he's a big baseball fan. Okay, but he's a Braves fan.
0: That's interesting because you like you, have you been you've been in his office?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: I, I only see Yankee stuff. Ask
1: ask him about the Braves. Okay. Ask him about the Braves. Um, ask him about Max Fried pitching, or you know, you know, okay. uh, Greg Maddox, or something like that. He loves, loves, loves the Braves. I'll have to do that. Um, I think we're six and a half games out of a wild card. Okay, so so still shouting. We're within sure. within striking distance. We had a really good week. We won six of eight games in the last week, so okay. we had a good week. All right,
0: bats came alive, pitching came through. Okay, so.
1: Mostly a good week.
0: There you go. Uh, Wimbledon is going on. Not that I've followed a single minute of it, but yeah. I think I think we're like round of sixteen now. So it would be next weekend would be the finals. Still playing on grass? Yeah, yeah. I I didn't get a chance. That that would be if I go back when I go back to the London area. That'd mm. be something I wouldn't mind seeing. Wimbledon? Yeah. Why not? I don't know. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see can, well, can I say one more thing about tennis it feels sure.
1: like we're missing a great male American tennis player oh for sure when was the last one Sampras probably and I remember tennis being on at my house growing up mm-hmm. when Sampras was incredible yeah but since then I don't think we've had anybody it's been really dominated by Europeans
0: yes well I mean Federer and then Djokovic uh, mm-hmm. uh, Djokovic yeah
1: so, yeah. it it feels like for me to care, I need an American.
0: Yeah. Now, on the women's side, the the Williams sisters have
1: dominated. Dominated, though. Absolutely.
0: That's come to it. That's basically come to an end. I think. I think um, so. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I I used to, when I was younger, I paid more attention to tennis, mm-hmm. Wimbledon in particular, but not anymore. Um, one story that has hit my radar is the. Uh, there's been a bit of a kerfluffle in the college football world with Northwestern. Have you seen any of these stories?
1: I'm aware that some something's happened at Northwestern. I believe it's hazing? Yes. Uh, but I don't know particulars. I did see one article that Darren Revell on Twitter... Uh, a Northwestern alum. Uh, ...took a shot at ESPN over a headline where it said... That the headline was, Coach Absolutely Knew. Mm-hmm. And then in the article... It made it clear that if he didn't know, then X, Y, Z. Um, mm-hmm. Well, well, what? Which was it? Is it is it, a, is, it poss- is it a possibility he didn't know, or yeah. is it absolutely certain he did know?
0: Yes, and it was quoting an anonymous source, which mm-hmm. was also something he was a little that's little right about. That's right. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's a portion of his tweets that I try to ignore. Like when he talks about like the business end of like sports, I really enjoy following him. But when he moves into politics and some of the other stuff that he's into, I just scroll right past. Mm. But anyway, um, so yeah, the the controversy is basically there are allegations of hazing that took place on the Northwestern football team. What level of hazing are we talking about? I mean I don't want to get into particulars if it
1: gets really gruesome or terrible, but … Like is this – they woke up guys in the middle of the night and caused them to go jump in a lake or is it a little bit more intense than that? It's more intense than that
0: and I don't know that I can really describe.
1: On this family-friendly. On this family-friendly program what's – Well, that probably tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, the initial response was the president of the university suspended him two weeks, Pat Fitzgerald, two weeks with no pay. Okay. As stuff is come out though he said something like well we may have to reevaluate that in light of further evidence or whatever mm. so it, it could easily result in him losing his job. Hmm. so we'll see which you know there's never a good time to lose your job uh, for a football program but mid-July it's pretty rough is pretty rough I mean you'd have to turn it over but see here's the thing you normally then would say let's turn it over to one of the assistants. But if it's an internal problem and everybody knew it was going on, how do you turn it over to an assistant? Yeah, they're complicit probably. Yeah, I I don't don't know what you do there. Anyway, it's a bit of a hot mess there.
1: And how is uh, Northwestern's known as a sports media sort of hub? Is that fair? Uh, Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, How are their alumni covering this? I haven't seen a lot on that.
0: Uh, I think – Because Mike Greenberg would have been there, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I don't know if they're just sort of – Flying under the radar, waiting to see what happens or what. But, um, yeah, I, fascinated to see how that ends up developing. But
1: I think I'd care more if Northwestern was going to be a top 10 team in the country sure. or be relevant in the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. I, but they're just most likely not going to be.
0: Yeah, though, I mean, they play in the West division of the Big Ten, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the— The soft division? Oh, gosh, so much weaker than the East uh, that I mean they they made the Big Ten championship game two years ago. I, I think they've made it like twice in the last like five years hmm. four or five years, but it's in the West, yeah, you know so all all the really strong teams are in the East, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, sure, you know, all three of those teams are better than anybody in the West. Purdue? Where does dimension. Purdue sit? Are they? They're in the West. they in the West? But they're not as good. Iowa? No. Minnesota? Nah. Wisconsin's in there. Wisconsin, yeah. They have a new coach this year. Hmm. Luke Fickle. Really? Yeah. Luke's up there. Yes. Went from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. Oh. Uh former Ohio State grade, obviously. So yeah. that'll be interesting. Hmm. But all right. We should move on, John. Our topic for today is an article by someone that uh, John Sloat has a little bit of a man crush on. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you love you. You love you some Ryan Burge.
1: I I enjoy some of his articles. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. All right.
1: Um, he. Uh, I started following him on Twitter a few years ago, and he was just. Pumping out graphs on mm-hmm. Twitter about religion. And so that yeah. is, that's pretty interesting. He'd have some commentary here and there. And now he started a sub stack. I don't know when that started. I just found out about it maybe a month ago. And so we, I, I am not paying for every journalist sub sub-stack that is out there. I'm just mm-hmm. not going to do it as a rule. Um, yeah. And so I just sign up for the free one. So I get the free ones Okay, uh, from him. And this was one of the free ones
0: yeah. that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, so the article is entitled, How Many People Leave Their Childhood Religion? And so, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stats and takeaways from this. Uh, Part of the way he kind of frames it is you hear a lot of kind of hand-wringing in evangelical circles about, all these people leaving the church after they – you know, they grow up in the church and then they walk away from the church. Yep. Um, and the the surprising kind of finding, at least from the data that he puts forward, is that doesn't really happen much or it's not happening any more than it was happening 50 years ago. Or the rate isn't nearly as aggressive as people make it out to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So – Uh, we'll, we'll link to the article, uh, in the show notes, but, um, yeah, I figured we'd start with maybe some, uh, some initial takeaways. Um, you know, he begins the article, it's based on what he calls the general social survey, which I'm not familiar with, but it's been something that's been done annually since 1973. And they've been asking the question: In what religion were you raised? And then what, essentially, what religion do you identify as mm-hmm. now? Um, and so, yeah, that that's to have essentially fifty years of data. That's great. Is is something that makes it a lot easier to draw, I think, meaningful conclusions about trends. So he kind of starts with. Uh, general big picture Protestant, Catholic and then no religion as the sort of starting point and so um, let's see here let's start with let's start with the Catholics he says uh, let's see In the 1970s and 1980s, switching was pretty rare. Nearly 85% of folks who were raised Catholic were still a member of that faith group when they were interviewed. So in essence, 85% retention rate in the 70s and 80s. Um, Then for Protestants, it was 90%. Now – what was a little unclear to me was, does that allow for switches within Protestantism? So mm. if you switch from being a Methodist to a Baptist or from a Baptist to a Presbyterian or something like that.
1: Well, or even evangelical to mainline or
0: mainline to right. evangelical, you know, right. even thinking in a, in a bigger picture like that. Yes. Um, and then the, the so-called nuns, as in those raised in no faith tradition, um, two-thirds Um. Do I have that right here?
1: Well, in the 1970s, it was more like 35%, quite frankly, because I think most most other people had a religion yeah. at that point, uh, and very few were raised in a, in a non-religious uh, area. But today, it's closer to uh, probably like 65 getting close to 64%, something like that. Um, I'm looking at a line graph here. That's why I don't have these precise numbers. But yeah. um, while we, we do see a... a downward trend uh, among Catholics and Protestants. It's not nearly as aggressive as you think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What is aggressive is the rise of the nuns, the, the, yep. the rise of the no religion whatsoever. How when, – when you think of that category of the nuns or the no religion, how do you – you th- what, what's your thought that comes to mind? Like
0: what, who are these people? What are they about? Well, ag- again, this is all predicated on self-identification. Hmm. So a person being surveyed and, and asked, what religion are you? OK. So I, I want to qualify what I say with that, just saying, OK, you know, some people might claim a certain designation that we would go, I don't think that's right. Like, <laughs> that's what you think you are. But yeah. like the way you live and what you believe doesn't line up with what sure. that label should indicate. Sure. Um, but, uh, it seems to me that, uh, when I think of the nuns, I think of people in urban areas, Hmm. uh, who probably were not raised in any sort of faith tradition, you know? So, um, and that our secular society has gotten to a point where in large parts of, at least in many urban areas of the country, it used to be that if you weren't affiliated with a specific church in some way, it was probably a detriment to you in some contexts, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, if someone asked you, where do you go to church? And you said, I don't. There was this perception of, oh, people are going to think negatively of 40, 50 years ago. Now that I think there's a lot more context in our country where if someone asks you, where do you go to church and you say none, that there's no like – that one, people would even be maybe surprised by the question. Like what do you mean where do I go to church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like why are you asking me that? That seems like a weird question. Um, so that to me seems more – that's what I think of when I think of the, the so-called nuns. What about you? I, I think I generally just think of apathetic
1: people who uh, I I I just think don't care. Don't want to think about it. Don't want to engage with it. Don't want to think about uh, meaning in life or afterlife or anything like that. I just, I just don't think they necessarily care.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I, I think part of it reflects the cultural shift that um, it's become more and more plausible to be able to conceive a, and construct a life that has no religion in it whatsoever mm-hmm. and not feel any lack or feel like you're missing out on anything, yeah. that that's become more plausible, more normal, for lack of a better word, in certain parts of the country.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, what, what's what's tricky to me is I wonder how much difference there is between – the sort of, in my mind, the stereotypical nun living in downtown Manhattan
2: mm-hmm.
0: versus the um, apathetic, like barely connected, really not connected to any church in a rural area. But when asked, would say, well, I'm a Christian <laughs> or I'm a Methodist. Yeah. And by that, they mean, well, my parents went to the Methodist church. Yeah. But I haven't darkened the door of any church in 40 years. Yeah. And I, think, I don't read my Bible and I don't, I, I don't think about spiritual things at all. But I'm a Methodist.
1: I, I can't remember if it was Ryan Burge, if it was somebody else. But uh, there is a contingent of people who call themselves evangelical mm-hmm. who uh, uh, never or rarely go to church. <laughs> yeah. And that when – when I think of an evangelical, that feels like the lowest bar to clear. Right, right. The, Regular church attendance, even even occasional church attendance, or or monthly church attendance, or but rarely or never. Um, mm-hmm. That strikes me as no, you're not really evangelical.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it it, it reminds me of the of the Princess Bride. You keep using that word, <laughs> but I don't think it means what you think it means. You know, like uh, you use that word evangelical, but. You, you can't even tell me what the gospel is yeah uh, so anyway um yeah let's let's dig in a little bit more <clears throat> here in terms of I think probably the most interesting chart in here is he he breaks down so people who um between adolescence and adulthood he lines up the, ans- the answer the answers so for example seventy three percent of people who identified as evangelicals as adolescents still as adults identify as evangelicals. So three-quarters, basically. Roughly three-quarters. What's interesting, though, is where the people who don't anymore, where do they go? Mm -hmm. And where do they go, John? Well,
1: it seems like who are no longer evangelicals. Correct. Where do they go? They most likely go to the none, no religion category. Yeah. That seems to be where they go the most.
0: Yes. And so I wonder if that's part of the perception gap. That 40 years ago, if somebody was no longer an evangelical, maybe that means they went to um, – maybe at that point they did switch to to, to mainline. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they – Switch to Catholic, or you know, some other uh, form of religion. Mm-hmm. Now it's they go they end up being nuns. That's right, and so I wonder if that's part of what fuels the perception of oh my gosh, people are leaving the church, and this is a, this has never happened before like this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, in in terms of the data, it seems like well, no. The, about the same number are leaving the church the evangelical church the difference seems to be that instead of going to some other religious tradition they just go to none yeah does that seem fair to you as you, as you look oh, at oh yeah
1: yeah i mean i mean just to tick it off people who are raised evangelical mainline churches is 8% that's the second highest yeah uh one percent black Protestant, three percent Catholic, zero percent are going to Jewish communities of faith, three uh, percent other faiths, and thirteen percent no religion. Um, that's the largest one for sure, but that's not that's still not jumping off the page necessarily as a, as a huge,
2: mm-hmm.
1: big, big number. I think one of the more encouraging aspects of this list, and maybe you were going with this, is uh, it seems like if somebody's leaving one of these other traditions other uh, take out take the nuns out of there cuz that's you know they talk about retention rate for nuns they're they're not retaining they're not oh, yeah. <laughs> they're not recruiting you know right. you know they um anyway but uh, people are going to evangelical churches over mm-hmm. w- way over any other yeah uh, uh faith group that's listed here yes so something like 14% of people that were raised mainline end up evangelicals uh, black Protestant 9 percent, Catholic 9 percent, nuns 16 percent. That's that's very encouraging uh, yeah. that there are uh, people going from those other categories to yeah. evangelicalism.
0: I wonder if the perception that so many more people are leaving the evangelical church compared to how it was 40 years ago is fueled by social media hmm. and how you have these prominent, some prominent people who make a big stink as they as they run out the door. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that helps fuel the perception that this is some unprecedented exodus out of the evangelical church.
1: Do you think? I, I mean, I think it's, I think there is a, small very vocal but small movement of people who are deconstructing Mm -hmm. uh in fact it led one former evangelical leader to create deconstruction kits do you remember this yes uh gosh was that two summers ago now yeah maybe um he got a lot of a lot of backlash for that yeah um trying to make money off this anyway yes yes he did uh but yeah i i I think that we're perhaps just more aware of it than we were before?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I, And I think, again, social media presents a distorted picture of reality. Mm-hmm. That if you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you can see a lot of noise about something and draw a conclusion that – Oh my gosh, there's this huge portion of our population that is doing or into fill in the blank. Mhm. When that's not the case. It's just that there's a significant portion of those who use social media who tend to be basically under 50. Especially Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. Yeah, what well, I mean what's I mean Facebook Facebook is now skewing much older. Much much older. Uh Yeah, what's the what's the what's
1: the I can't remember the exact exact statistic, but directionally this is right. That it's something like twenty percent of society is on Twitter. Three percent of that twenty percent actually tweet regularly. Yeah. And and just just how
0: (laughs) But it skews perception.
1: It does. It absolutely does skew perception. By the way, why did Twitter limit the number of posts you can look at in a day?
0: Did you see that? I did, but it was because um they were they were under some sort of cyber attack. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, hmm. they were under some sort of cyber attack where someone was try was doing something to their servers that <coughs> that basically it's a defense mechanism to try to prevent them from like crashing the site hmm. And in the midst of
1: that, just as they make this announcement, Facebook comes out with its own uh, Twitter-like group. Are you on Threads? No. I'm not on Threads either.
0: I don't need another social media. I mean I'm basically on Facebook and Twitter. I have Instagram. I barely use it. No, I got rid of Instagram a few years ago now. Barely use it. Um, Yeah, I don't need another social media platform. Um, Okay, so – We've kind of dug into some of the data there's a lot more data in there we'll post the link on the show notes but okay let's put on our uh, sort of ministry leadership hats here and say um like e- even if we even if we look at the article and go okay so this is not some unprecedented thing basically mm-hmm. the 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 percentages are about the same as they were 40 50 years ago. Nonetheless, as ministry leaders, I think it's always good to look at that and, and figure out why why do we think people are leaving mm-hmm. and are there specific things we can and should do to help prevent that? So I'll let you take any of those angles. Um, I mean
1: there, there's part of me that goes – I don't know always how helpful it is to know this information. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, uh, local church ministries about uh, preaching the gospel, getting people connected to one another and, and uh, you know, living life uh, to, to a certain extent. And mm-hmm. um, if you have people that have deep ties and are deeply connected to the people in your local congregation and in your church, I, I just think when people have those thick relationships, they're just not going to leave very easily.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably true.
1: Um, and so in a sense – in one sense, my advice is ignore the article in general and, and mm-hmm. focus on building relationship with your people and, and bringing them together.
0: Yeah. I, I think for me, um, I, I don't disagree with that. I do think that it is striking that the number one destination ends up being the nuns. Mm-hmm and so to me what that seems to indicate is that um that there's a just sort of a giving up on god in general
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and not like oh well gosh i was at a church and it was too calvinistic so i found a more arminian church and i love it that, that that's not that's not what's happening you know or well i mean and this is this is i guess I'd be curious to see this. I mean, it doesn't show up in the data here, but there's a perception that, that there's some movement outside out of evangelicalism into, like, Episcopalian churches, or Anglican churches, um, or even ortho, like Greek Orthodox kind of mm-hmm. churches, uh, because there's an attraction to the, the structure and the liturgy and the full sensory experience and all that kind of stuff. But... Here's what I would stress. I wonder if part of the issue is that when people leave and end up in the nuns category, if part of the issue is, and this is this is I think potentially a legitimate criticism that comes from different parts of the parts of the church and outside the church, is that too much emphasis is placed on what we're against. Mm-hmm. And not enough on what we're for. Now that can be misused, because I've heard people say that in certain contexts, I'm like, that's that's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. You just don't like what we're for either. <laughs> but you know, when you think about the, the the big cultural issues, especially in the area of sexuality, if all a congregation hears is the that homosexuality is sinful. Transgender stuff is sinful. And it's just it's just that. And there's no positive construction of a biblical view of sexuality. Not just, yeah, stay away from that, that's bad. Yeah. But here is a holistic understanding of sexuality and why it's good the way God has designed it and how it's bad when you step outside of God's boundaries.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: or even on other issues. Sometimes I wonder if we don't do a good enough job of providing a holistic picture of the Bible's teaching on a certain area. And so when the culture comes along and just bombards you with, you're a bunch of bigots. You don't love. You don't love. Love is love. Come on. How can you not love people? That's like the first thing you Christians are supposed to do is to love people. If you don't have a robust sort kind of full understanding of well first of all let's let's talk about what the nature of love is according to scripture let's talk about what sexuality is according to scripture that you can see how those can have a in a those that can have a sort of appeal to a certain crowd it's like I'm just tired of being browbeaten and being considered a bigot mm-hmm. I don't want to be part of the bigot group I think I'm a decent person I know somebody who's Trans or or homosexual, and they seem like a great person. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be associated with people that our culture thinks are bigots. So I'm out. I'm done. I think there's a dynamic there. I'm not saying it explains everything, mm-hmm. but I think that's one portion of the explanation. What do you think? Um. Yes, I think I think I think
1: I um, agree with you that there's. I, I think that's probably part of it um that we're not um we're constantly saying what we're against not necessarily what we're for and I think a I think positive a positive vision of things like uh, uh giving giving people a vision of uh positive sexuality um mm-hmm. would, would be really good uh, you you know that that Uh, uh, sex inside of marriages for the building of community and for the building of deep relationships and for uh, to to re-up that covenant, uh, you know. Um, Yeah, I think there's something about that that's really desirable. Um, Mm -hmm. However, I don't think that's all that, although I'm trying to come up with another one and I can't come up with one right now about why. I mean, I think part of it is I think we're just always going to have some measure of people leaving the church uh, at, some, sure. at some level. Um, you know, even yeah. back to, to the wonders of the 1970s, <laughs> uh, we were just
0: a couple percentage points better than we are today yes. at retaining people. Yep. I, I think part of me too wonders if um, – I mean I think the, the sort of consumerism perspective, the, the consumer mindset has been infiltrating the church for many years now. But now, I mean, it used to be if you lived in a community, depending on the size, you might have an option of 3, 5, 10, 12, 15 churches. Yeah. Now it doesn't matter. You can just go online if you want. Mm-hmm. Find your favorite guru. Sit down on, Saturday, on Sunday morning. If you want to do it on a Sunday morning or you can do it Thursday night or Tuesday afternoon after work or – in the car on the way home on Friday, like whenever you want, and it's become a sort of a la carte spirituality approach. That um, that eventually, because there's no cohesion and community, oh yeah, it just falls apart. You're just like, what am I doing? Why am I hanging on to this?
1: I I do think that is a that is a problem with the. Uh like a better word, flashy evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it it is not very good at creating that thickness, that that uh, cohesive community. That's gonna that's gonna stick together through through difficult times.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think
1: so. And and it's easy to leave. It is. It's easy to walk away. It is um, because it could be six eight months before somebody follows up with you.
0: Sure. <laughs> and like, let's be honest. Like being in being in community. Doing it biblically, it takes effort. It's exhausting. It takes time and energy and effort and can be messy. It can be challenging. And, you know, it can put you in situations where you have to be around people that you're not naturally drawn to Mm -hmm. and might get on your nerves. And that if they weren't a fellow Christian and you weren't a fellow Christian, you probably would never go out of your way to want to be around them. Yeah, but God's put them in your body of believers, and so there is an obligation to, to love and to bear with. And some people are like, I don't need that. Yeah, I don't have time for that. That that doesn't that doesn't meet my needs because it, you know it's all about me getting what I need or what I want out of the experience.
1: I'll never forget. I'll never forget uh, sitting down with a college student who was in a small group at, at his church. And he was just like, I don't think I'm going to go anymore. So why is that? He goes, the guy who leads my group has so many kids. (laughs) And they're just crazy and insane and running all over the place. And I kind of went, you want to know what? I actually think that's probably pretty good for you. Uh, It's good for you to be a part of that. And it's good for you to see that. And it's good for you to uh, work through that. And by the end of the, you know, by, you know, three months down the line, he was loving it. He yeah. was loving being a part of that group. Uh, mm-hmm. What once used to upset him, you know, actually helped him form relationship with these people. Yeah. And that was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, like we said, we'll put the uh, link to the article on the show notes. But uh, we have got to move on to this day in sports history.
1: Okay, this day in sports history, July 11th, 2023, where's the where's the time going? Um, School year will be here before you know it. Um, that was a by the way, uh, uh, July 11th, Amazon Prime deal days.
0: Yeah, today in terms of when this drops.
1: Yeah, the 11th and the 12th. Yeah.
0: You got something lined up that uh, you ready to pull the trigger on?
1: We'll see. We'll see what Amazon decides to put out there uh, for the masses, but uh, I'm sure I'll get something. I don't know what, but I like a deal. I know you do. I like a good deal.
0: I'm looking to probably replace my robot vacuum that I've had for about five years. It's about about time. But I might wait till Black Friday instead. Okay. We'll see.
1: All right. Well, this day in sports history, July 11th, Um, 1930, 21-year-old Australian cricket super batsman. uh, Sounds like a superhero. uh, Don Bradman. Is 105 at lunch, 220 at tea, and 309 at stumps (laughs) (laughs) on the first day in the third test versus England at Leeds. Uh, Goes to 334.
0: I I just had to chuckle at the, here's a sport that it sounds like at one point you had definitive breaks for, well, okay, we're going to break for lunch. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to break for tea in the afternoon. And then I don't know what stumps represents at the end there. Dinner time, I don't know. Dinner
1: like, dinner time closing down? Yeah. I don't know. Could it just been the, the sun going behind?
0: I mean, talk about a gentleman's sport, right? Like, well, I mean, we have to stop for lunch. <laughs> and we're not proper, you know, respectable gentlemen if we don't yeah. stop for tea.
1: Yeah. For the queen. Yeah. yeah. Although there is no queen anymore. Uh, 1985. Astros, Nolan Ryan, this is a sport I know, Uh, first to strike out 4,000. Mets, Danny Heap. He struck out a Met. Yeah. That's fun. 4,000 strikeouts. Now, just to be clear, the 4,000 strikeouts were not just of Danny Heap. No. There was a number of people Danny Heap was the 4,000th.
0: Yes. There were 3,999 before him. Of which Danny Heap could have been in there there a few times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, 1990. Uh, the New York City police arrest Dartman. Who's Dartman? I I don't know. Stabbed over uh 50 women with darts. Why is this a sports story? The darts (laughs) connection. I don't know.
2: I mean,
0: Dartman.
1: Dartman. Um. All right. Uh, 2010 FIFA World Cup final. Uh, soccer City, Johannesburg, South Africa, uh, Andres uh, Inesta scores an extra-time winner at Spain, beat the Netherlands 1-0 uh, for the first World Cup title. There you go. Hmm. Uh, 2021 Wimbledon men's tenets, Uh Djokovic uh, claims a record-equaling 20th Grand Slam title, beats Matteo Berrettini. I think I got that right. I think right. that's right. Yeah. Uh, of Italy 67646463. Four, six, okay. A Few good names in there today.
0: Yeah, I tried. I tried.
1: Um, who who do you like? Out of out of, the, out of this uh impressive list. It feels like we've named Nolan Ryan a few times. I know.
0: I I I love Nolan Ryan. I'm I'm very much impressed by him, but I feel like we've mentioned him enough times we got to go somewhere else
1: what about what about dartsman dartman the the is a serial killer no he well, just stabbed just women with stabbed them not is this our version of jack the ripper
0: <laughs> with darts with darts yeah
1: and I, was it a close contact stab or was he at a distance i i, I cuz it feels know. like something you could get 10 12 yards away and hit
0: somebody with a dart yeah i would think so I don't know. I was gonna go with with either that or maybe Andre Inesta, but or or Djokovic. I don't know. You want to go with Dartman?
1: Let's go with Dartman. We don't have a name, but it feels like there's never been another podcast named Dartman, so
0: uh, I, I'm pretty confident about that. Pretty confident. Not
1: for that. us, at least. But
0: yeah, one thing you liked.
1: All right. So this uh, last week. Uh, with uh, so I got a new cell phone a couple months ago now, and I c- was repeatedly badgered by Apple to sign up for their three free months of Apple TV Plus. Okay, I finally did it, and I've been watching Ted Lasso. Yeah, and we are loving Ted Lasso. <laughs> now all the caveats about content warning yes, and all those 100%. things, but we have been loving Ted Lasso. Yeah, How- first first season was definitely the
0: best. Yeah, we're in season three right now. And we have not been impressed with season three.
1: Season three, we're, we're right in the middle of season three, yeah. and it has not been, yeah. not been the best.
0: Se- season one was amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I agree.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Nice. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go with air.
1: Is this the- Not the
0: stuff that you breathe, but the movie.
1: But you're a fan of the stuff you I, breathe.
0: I am yeah. very pro air. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, the Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck film, Air, which tells the story of how Nike signed Michael Jordan.
2: Hmm. It's
0: on Amazon Prime. I did see that this came out. It's good. Yeah. And, and part of what makes it good is there's certainly a nostalgia effect. Having grown up in the 80s, hmm. there's a lot of nostalgia in there. But it's not overdone. And, um, yeah, it's uh, – I think Matt Damon does a good job in the film. And one of the interesting things about the movie is they never they never show Michael. I heard this. Yeah. Like, they have an actor portray him, but you never see his face. You only see him like from behind. Like now they showed real footage of him playing basketball. Hmm. So you that's how you saw Michael. But you never saw an actor – Actually, portraying Michael from the face, always from the back. And who who does Matt Damon plays it Sonny. Yes, he's the guy that actually ends up signing uh,
1: Jordan. And uh, and his mom, uh, Michael Jordan's mom, features yes. prominently. Yes, uh, played by Vi- is it Viola Davis. That sounds right. Okay. Yep. I- I've heard good things. I have not seen it.
0: Yeah, I was a little underwhelmed with Ben Affleck as Phil Knight, hmm. the head of Nike.
1: Well, I think anything Ben Affleck's in is underwhelming. Yeah. Generally speaking, yes. Yeah, I just generally I go like, oh, that could have been better with somebody else.
0: Yes, yes. I'm very under. Like, I think he was. I, I think, like in Goodwill Hunting, he was. I think he was good.
1: Okay, I haven't seen Goodwill Hunting.
0: Um, and then in um the movie Gone Girl, you ever see that?
1: Yes, I did. That
0: was a creepy movie. Very creepy. I think he's pretty good in that. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Now there's, I've never seen a Ben Affleck movie where I'm like, nobody could have done it better than him yeah. in that role. I think that's fair. I think he was a terrible Batman.
1: Yeah, he wasn't great as Batman.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm continually underwhelmed by him in, in acting.
1: He did a Daredevil movie where he was, he played the superhero Daredevil mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s, and that flopped. It was bad. Yeah. Real bad. Yeah, but anyway, he's a better meme than an actor. That <laughs> meme of him smoking a cigarette, yeah, that's classic. I, yeah. Peak, so, peak
0: Ben Affleck, right there. I, I think the movie Air is definitely worth watching. A little bit of language, but um, it is fascinating. And from what I understand, Michael Jordan was very involved. He's the of one course that, in, he was. that insisted uh, that the actress who played his mom actually play. Like he's like, I want her to hmm. play my mom. So and it was fascinating i think like she ran that family
2: hmm. for as
0: much as there was talk about jordan's relationship with his dad and part of that was of course his dad being murdered yeah um but um man she ran that family hmm. and she was a savvy businesswoman
1: cuz what he gets 5% of every shoe that sells or something
0: like that and he was the first one to get that like basically she said we'll sign with you nike But this is a non-negotiable. Michael has to get a portion of every shoe that's sold. And they're like, nobody gets that. Well, if you want Michael, that's what it's going to (laughs) take. And I saw some – like even today, he's getting uh, some absurd amount of money because the Air Jordan line still sells like hotcakes.
1: Well, I I think it's – forgive me for saying this. uh, The Michigan football team, their jerseys are all Air Jordans.
0: Uh, Yes.
1: Right. Right. Like I a, like. A, they have like the a Jordan logo. logo on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine he's getting a piece of that action. I gotta think so.
0: Yeah. I mean, the kind of money he's making.
1: And he said he's selling the Bobcats or not the Bobcats. Uh, is it Hornets. the Hornets now? Charlotte. Yeah. When he bought it, they were the Bobcats though.
0: Are they?
1: They're the Hornets now. Yes. Because New Orleans gave up Hornets. Yes. Uh, but. He's selling that. He's gonna be. He's gonna be rolling in dough.
0: Yeah. And what's he gonna do with his time?
1: I don't know. Uh, smoke, drink. I mean, I think that's all Gamble. he does. Um, he's a big bejeweled player, from what I understand. I think he's number three in the world at bejeweled. <laughs>
0: uh, that probably drives him nuts that he's number three and not number one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that probably does. We need to get off the air. Yep. <laughs> we
0: have talked sports that we're not that interested in we have talked about why people are leaving their childhood religion we have talked about dartman
1: dartman. We,
0: dartman we have talked about ted lasso we have talked about the movie air and so i think by definition we have covered our various and sundry topics and so all that's left to say is until next time the
2: lord bless you all real good later